You're listening to Intellectual Erection, a place where we talk about the naughty. Oh, to stimulate your thinking. You're listening. You're listening to Intellectual Erection. Intellectual, Intellectual, Intellectual Erection. Welcome back to Intellectual Erection. I'm your host, Patrick. And today I'm speaking with Vance. Oh, the rim drop felt really good, so a dick in my ass must feel amazing. We're going to be talking about a lot of things to do with sex work, from creating porn, to go-go dancing, burlesque, to full-service sex work, all from the perspective of a gay yoga teacher. So there's quite a bit in here that hasn't been explored before on the show. We're going to be talking about how cruising happens in the gay community versus the straight community, and the things that kind of interlace sex work and yoga. There's some very interesting content here, so pay attention. And I just want to take this time to say, since we're all quarantined, we're all hopefully staying at home, this is a great time to support sex workers who are out of work and do not have employment insurance and likely won't qualify for the COVID relief fund, but they are putting their work out there online, on OnlyFans, on many vids, on any of the sites available to them. So if you have a favorite sex worker, you'll likely find them on Twitter and links to their content online. This is a great time to go support them and buy their content. The other thing I wanted to mention is seeing that we're going through these times of isolation and social distancing, I'm not able to do my in-person interviews anymore. I have one more in my backlog, but after this, we're going to have to get creative. So one of the things that I'd like to do is get any listeners out there who are interested in having their sexy stories published in an episode anonymously to please send me a recording of whatever amazing sex story you have, sexy, wild, uh, outrageous story that you might have. You can record it on your phone. The quality is actually pretty good. Just leave a little bit of silence at the beginning. Record the room tone so that I can edit it down and I will compile an episode full of anonymous sexy stories from the listeners. Send those files over to me at intellectualerection at gmail.com. You can either send the file. If it's too large, just send me a Google Drive or a Dropbox link and I will get the file itself and put it in an episode. I'm hoping for a lot of good content and I know a lot of you have amazing stories. So please, please, please send it to me and I will put something magical together. And as always, listen, subscribe, review, and most of all, enjoy. I'm sitting here today with Vance. Hi, Vance. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> good, good. It's good to have you here. Thanks. Before we get started, why don't you tell the listeners what it is that you do? Uh, well, I'm pretty much a full-time yoga teacher. Uh, and in the last year, I became a burlesque performer, a go-go dancer. Um, yeah, those are the jobs that I'm doing right now. All right. So we're going to be talking a little bit about those intersections. But first... As always, the origin question. 
This is what I ask everybody who comes on the show. The first part of the origin question that I'm always curious about is if you remember in childhood, the first time that you ever encountered sex or sexuality and what that experience was like. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny because I uh, have been thinking about this as we were about to have this conversation, but um, like I don't remember an exact moment, but I do know that when I was really young, like five, four, whatever, six, uh, I definitely was uh, already into sexuality. So like I just loved dirty words. Uh, I loved doing sexual things, but it, like being a kid, it was like pulling down my pants and mooning people and pulling out my dick. And so I did that all the time. I remember even we got a video camera when I was like seven. And like the first thing I decided to do with it was take all these videos of me just whipping my dick out. <laughs> like, uh, and so, uh, yeah, I always, I was always into sex in a way, like when I was a kid, it just was, um, I think I guess was still fascinated by it. Um, I thought it was funny. Uh, I liked what I, what I recognized even when I was a kid is that, I realized I could get people's attention by using my sexuality. Uh, it made people, um, it either offended people or it made them, uh, it made them give attention to me. Right. And so I think I learned that when I was a kid too, that I was like, Oh, there's something in this that like, if I do these things, uh, I get a lot of attention. People notice me. So that was a good way to weed people out. You're like the ones that give me attention. I like you. The ones that are offended. <laughs> Not interested yeah. anyway. Well, I think I, I like that too. Because even when I was in like middle school, I remember doing, uh, there was a few things that I did uh, that I got in trouble for. I got suspended a few times just for doing sexual things. Like I did this report and it was like a news report that we had to present to the class and I made it all dirty words. So like I was the newscaster and my name was Dick Cum and the... <laughs> the <laughs> The weather, the whole weather was, it was my friend Jessica doing the weather and she was talking about how like everything was like, oh, the, the temperature is rising, spring is coming, the snow is getting wet and sticky. And so like everything was dirty and I ended up getting suspended for it. But again, I was like, I got a thrill out of doing that. Uh, so even I was just always like that and realized that, you know, I was always like, oh, I could, I can get attention for this. People notice me. And so I just kind of kept doing it. It sounds like as a kid, you wanted to express yourself sexually in whatever way that you could for attention and entertainment and own it and, and the power. And now you're at a place where you've been able to do that, I guess, recently? How, how long has it been? Yeah. Um, yeah. If you don't mind, I'll tell you a little bit about my journey in the last year or how I got into this. Oh, yeah. Well, th this is this is the second part of the origin question. Oh, okay. So <laughs> the first part is really like where you first encountered sex or sexuality. Usually I get something on like somebody saw something on TV or mm -hmm. a magazine and they're like, what is this? And it felt inappropriate because I'm always curious about those instances. Yeah. And like, where did you first, how, how did sex ever first come into your into your brain? I will say the one last thing about being a teenager that uh, the other person that I admire for using their sexuality is Madonna. And the big moment was that completely shifted me was that I saw Madonna's, or I found out about Madonna's erotica album and her sex book that she made. Do you know that book? No. Oh, so, Why oh my God. So it's know? this, it's called Sex. And it was this book by photographer Stephen Mizell. And uh, it's really good. And it's all these photos, really provocative photos of sexuality. So Madonna is completely naked in it. Uh, everyone's naked in it. And but there's like, I mean, it's so great because you open the book and it's the first line from Erotica, which is like this whole thing of 
I'll give you love. I'll hit you like a truck. I'll give you love. I'll teach you how to. And then it, you turn the page and it says, I'll teach you how to fuck. And it's her and this leather bondage stuff with like holes for the nipples and like the crotch is cut out and she's got her fingers and her pussy and uh, other fingers in her mouth. And like, yeah, it's like a, it's a really good book. But I remember seeing it too and being like, as an artist, I also like because you look at the book and it's sexy and it's hot. But there's like there's photos. There's a whole series of photos with her with an older man, uh, her with a younger guy, um, her with women uh, doing bondage. Uh, there's some stuff with Naomi Campbell, like threesome stuff. Um, gay men. There's a great photo of her or a series of photos of her in this like evening gown, and all these gay men are on these leashes. And uh, so, but I saw it. And I was like, this is a full expression of sexuality. Like she's ex- uh, expressing like the wide range of fantasies that people might have. Uh, and some are really beautiful and some are really hot. Some are really sexual. Some are really funny. And I saw it as like, wow, this is sexuality. This is sex positivity is that it's not about um, showing something that like the mass of people are going to find hot. So just some muscular guy with a shirt off or some hot blonde girl in a bikini. It was like, no, this is like, digging deeper um, into the, diversity of sexuality yeah, yeah. and put, but put into art. And so like something that was like, wow, this is what I want to do is put the work and be creative to make sexuality into something that uh, is amazing to look at or thought provoking, not just something that we can be like, Oh, this really turns me on. Right. Yeah. Not something cheap, but something with like a little bit of depth that maybe. Yeah. At, at some of the secret fantasies that I think even vanilla people actually have. Oh yeah. It's just that, They've either told themselves or convinced themselves that they shouldn't, which is sad because yeah. they're sitting there and they probably have fantasies and they're like, you know what? I just don't feel right about it. I feel guilty or I've been told that it's inappropriate mm-hmm. or whatever it is. You know, I, I have a suspicion that they also have a lot of sexual depth. They're just either unwilling or they've been told that they shouldn't. Yeah. So in your case, and the second part of the <laughs> origin question would be, how did you get involved in the sex positive communities? By which I usually mean, you know, kink, BDSM, fetish, polyamory, sex work, any of it, all of it, some of it, wherever you're at. Um, yeah, so uh, I think that, so I'm 30 right now, and uh, I think I was I was always a sexual person. I enjoyed having sex, uh, um, and I explored my sexuality a lot uh, as I was young, but the one thing that I've learned is I don't really think that I've truly understood sex positivity up until the last year when I started doing burlesque. And, but I think that comes from, I really started to know myself. Um, because the one thing I learned is when I was younger, uh, I was a really insecure person. I was a drug addict. Well, and still am, but like, uh, I'm better now. I, I don't struggle with it as much, but I mean, I was drunk all the time. And so like, all the sex I was having, I was drunk. And so, but a lot of it was when I was having sex with guys was this need for validation. Um, and so I was just like, oh, if this hot guy wants me, then I'm worthy of something. I'm important. I have value. And uh, so I wasn't really, I think I was just doing what I thought other people expected me to do. And so not really thinking of like, what do I want? It just kind of was like, if I'm with a man and having sex with a man, then like someone wants me. So it made me feel good about myself. And so I, like looking back on that now, I'm like, that's not sex positivity. That's like not even valuing myself that I would have sex with people because I, I would have sex with guys just because um, I thought if I didn't have sex with them, they wouldn't want to hang out with me. So it was like almost a tool 
to make people like me. And so I developed a lot of self-worth, which I still think I'm learning a lot about, um, to own my sexuality and not make it about other people. Um, so I definitely, cause I wasn't aware of that. I was doing that, um, then. And so a year ago, about a year ago, um, I started to explore my sexuality. And so, uh, another longer story was that I, uh, I was with a partner who passed away from cancer. And so I was with him for three years and, but like the last few months of his life, you know, we weren't having sex and, uh, which is like, you know, no one's fault. It was just because, you know, he was getting sicker and he's just, oh, you couldn't do that. Um, and so I really lost my sexuality or the way to express it because my life was just in a different place that I was like, I, it's not time to start exploring it. And so I went through this whole process with grieving too that I was like, I don't know how to, um, how to connect uh, sexually with other men anymore. And so I, my therapist about a year ago, she taught me this really great thing about, you know, one, finding your edge, but also doing things that you know you can accomplish. So when I, how I took that with my sexuality was that the idea of going to have sex with a man uh, was like, okay, well, you need another person to do that. That's not something that you can set a goal out to do and accomplish because like it's, it's all up to the fact of having another person. So it was like, how can you express your sexuality without the help of anybody else? And so the first thing I did was I went to the men's room uh, on Church Street. And so I just bought a dildo and I was like, I'm just going to buy a sex toy. I'm going to go in there. And it was weird too about like going into a sex store when I was this, you know, before I was this really sexually uh, provocative person. I was like, oh, I feel awkward about going into the sex store. Cause like I haven't been like, cause I felt so like I hadn't been in that space for a long time. And I was like, oh, they're going to like, it was almost like I walked in being like, oh, they're going to know that I haven't had sex in like six months. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're going to screen you at the door. Yeah. And then yeah. so oh, he looks hungry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then so, but I, so I did it. I was like, I bought this dildo and uh, that was the first thing. I was like, okay, well, I did that. I walked into that space of, you know, sex. I walked into that, uh, got something for myself and decided I was like, well, I'm going to change my jerking off routine. I'm going to use the dildo now and just be able to like, oh, you know, I can pleasure myself. You know, I, I don't need another man to be able to do this. Um, but then the other thing I, I learned from my therapist was that I had to, I had to, because it was also a time when I was sobering up, and so I was quitting drinking, drugs, everything, and uh, I had to find something else that gave me a bit of a rush, and so I was like, oh, I'll start dancing. Like, I love dancing, always wanted to do it, and so I just started taking dance classes, and uh, through that, this burlesque workshop came up for men, so it was boylesque, it was a beginner workshop for guys, and... Uh, and the only reason I had no idea, like I knew what burlesque was, but I didn't have any interest in it. And I was like, oh, the only reason why I wanted to do it was because at the end of the workshop, you got to be in a show. And I was like, oh, this is like, you, you know, you, who'd you do it with? Uh, so the teachers were Bon Bon Bombay and, uh, Newfound Lad. Uh, so, so Bon Bombay, Bombay is a, a female drag performer, uh, does a really good job. She has a studio called Shea Bon Bon, if anyone wants to check her out. Um, and Josh, newfound lad is, uh, in Boylesque. And, uh, so anyways, we did this workshop and, um, I, uh, wanted to be in the show. And so it was like, oh, this is great. I'll be in a show. This will be like a bucket list thing. I've always, I love dancing. I've always wanted to perform on stage. This will be a chance to do that. Right. And when I got into it and met the other people in this Boylesque group, I realized that, uh, the diversity, cause it was like 
burlesque for men, but there was trans people, non-binary people, um, and guys, and, you know, and then we had a female teacher, and so I was like, oh, this is like, like, there's no label, like, no one's saying, like, oh, this is only for men, or it was like, no, this is just an accepting place where you can be who you are. And so that was the first thing that was like, oh, this is cool. Like, I feel like this is, there's no rules here. Like, this is a great group of people. And then the other thing that Bonbon taught me was that she said, you know, when you're performing on stage, do what you want to do, not what the audience wants or what you expect the audience wants. Because if you do what you want to do, you're really loving yourself and the audience will respond to that. And so I was like, oh, this is really about just being your authentic self. And so, and I also saw in the group that everyone's performance of sexuality and stripping was completely different. Um, So, you know, some people did something that was funny. Some people did things that were really moving and touching. And, you know, some things were just really sexy and hot. Some were a story. And I realized it was like, oh, everyone's sexuality is different. And it's about figuring out what your sexuality is, what turns you on and makes you who you are. Um, And that to me is sex positivity, is that it's because I also thought like to me, I think I had this idea of sex positivity as like, oh, I'm sex positive because I'll do anything and like I'll fuck anybody and I'm crazy (laughs) and like I'll be into any kink and try all these things. And I was like, oh, but again, I was doing all those things because I thought, oh, people will notice me more if I'm this crazy sex guy. So I remember you said this earlier that you used sex as a way to gain acceptance from other people. So you were trying to find an indirect path to your self-love through others and you needed that validation. I'm going to sleep with this guy because that's how I'm going to measure my self-worth. If he finds me worthy, then I must be. So you needed your evidence. And then your therapist was saying, well, try to find your sexuality on your own. You branched out a little bit, got yourself a dildo, changed your routine. And then it seems like there was an analog there between what your therapist said and what your burlesque instructor said, which was also to find yourself in your routine right? To, yeah. to do your performance for yourself. And I had somebody on this show, Remedy Moore, describe her experiences of being on stage, as well as Pastel Supernova, who's also a burlesque performer and instructor. And they both said something in the lines of making love to yourself on stage is what it feels <laughs> like. It feels like a very private moment that some people have access to or like somebody's looking through the peephole while you are doing something very you know Mm -hmm. erotic with yourself and they get to see this and it's magic if you can hit that mental frame of just making love to yourself on stage yeah so it sounds like you are appreciating the the art of burlesque in much the same way Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the other thing about it is that, I mean, burlesque is about body positivity, sex positivity, right? So it's for anybody. And um, so, like, it doesn't matter how big or small you are, whether you're a guy or girl, however you identify. um, Like, none of that matters. It's all about, like, you just got to (laughs) strip. So, but it's about, like, it's a very vulnerable situation. And so, um, I mean, even the people that I met that were just starting out when I was starting out, it's like, it's not like a bunch of people that are walking in there being like, I'm so hot that like, I need to strip because I'm amazing at it. It's a bunch of people that are like, I need to do this for myself. Like I need to have this vulnerable moment in front of like a room full of people. Um, 
of putting something together creatively and an expression of myself and be vulnerable up on stage um, naked and show everybody that I love myself and this is who I am. And so, and the other thing about it too is that, you know, I think, you know, you had mentioned the thing about, um, you know, very vanilla people not being able to express their fantasies and stuff. And uh, I think that we, we live in a culture where we also shame sex. And so with burlesque, though, it's a complete opposite that, you know, you are applauded and cheered on for being sexual, whatever that is for you. And so, I mean, even for myself, it's like, that's the other thing about learning about authentic sexuality and when sexuality is coming from my ego. And so, because I'll be honest, like I, I will use my sexuality as a tool from my ego, which is like, oh, I'll get this attention, right? And people notice me. Um, but then I also get a lot of shame of being like, oh, you're just showing off or, you know, you're just doing this to get attention. And, and for me, it's like, well, sometimes it can be a bit of that, but I also realize I'm like, no, this is like who I am and what I enjoy to do. And so with burlesque, you're going into uh, a show on stage where like nobody's, well, I hope not, but like, if you're going to a burlesque show, you're, you're cheering the person on for being sexual, not judging them. Uh, and then I think the only reason why that people judge or have shame towards people is because they have that towards themselves, right? Because I think I learned that too, is that finding, being comfortable with my sexuality, the only reason why I ever was uncomfortable with other people's sexuality was because I saw it and thought, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could be that out and open. And it's only hitting that nerve of being like, oh, it's triggering me feeling inadequate because they're being sexual and expressing it. And I'm not, and I want to be doing that too. And right, so I so think back, back to the Madonna thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering, you were talking about being very young and wanting that attention and using sexuality then to, to get it. And then in having sex at first, when you thought you were sex positive and trying to gain approval or self-worth through sex with other people, I'm wondering if this is at all similar to being on stage and performing burlesque because essentially you're doing what you were doing as a child, right? You're, you're using your sexuality in order to gain that attention, which is also a form of approval, which I wonder, is it very different than getting the approval through direct sex with another person? Is the burlesque different than yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Um, and in what ways? I imagine oh, yeah. it must feel different, but I want to kind of hear what that sounds like, what, what the feelings are that would be different, because it sounds like one makes you feel empowered, whereas the former, when you're having sex with people for that sense of approval, did not feel as good. Yeah. Uh, oh, totally. And I think that was the one thing about all this, uh, about performing and <clears throat> and sex work for me, that the owning of my sexuality was that... I didn't need anybody else to do it, right? So like when I'm stripping or go-go dancing or whatever it is, uh, I'm, you know, it's all for me. Like I'm on stage by myself. I might be with someone else that's like performing with me, but it's something that I've created that I'm expressing my sexuality through myself and everyone can watch and enjoy it, but I'm not needing you to, uh, to allow myself to indulge in my sexuality, if that makes sense. So, you know, when I was uh, needing the approval of sleeping with a guy, it kind of was like this also, you know, my addiction or addictive qualities came in where, um, you know, I would sleep with a guy and then it was the drug, right? So it was 
I needed that external validation from this man to um, show me that I was worthy. And then so, but once the sex was done, I needed it again. So then it becomes this thing of like, okay, well now I'm just like sleeping with guys and sleeping with guys I don't want to be sleeping with just to maybe get that feeling back. Um, and so, but I'm doing this because uh, I'm needing, it. the guy becomes a drug or a drink, right? And it's, you know, I'm using something externally to fill a void. Whereas when I'm on stage, it's just me. And so I don't, I don't need anybody else. I'm filling myself up. Right. And so that's what I've, that's how it becomes empowering. So it's funny that you said about, you know, filling yourself because the way that this kind of clicked in this moment for me now listening to you is that it seems to me like the difference that you're describing is in one case, you're trying to draw in something from outside, which is that approval through the sex with these men and in that case, I would say that maybe you're trying to fill that void. Whereas on stage, you're full of something that you're giving out. Yeah. So it's like, here is something that I want to show. And it's from a fullness already. Yeah. Which is kind of what you described there. And it's not you filling a void. It's you presenting something from within. And at that point, you know that you don't walk away from it with that emptiness, I guess. No, uh, because yeah, it's it's coming from yourself, that energy, and it's it, it is it's your sexual energy that you're using to um, use for yourself to empower yourself, and um, yeah, and it's great, and it's it's funny because what I've also learned about like it's it's the interesting thing about in the last year is that when I started to own my sexuality and find it in an authentic place and use it for myself. Um, I found that more men wanted to, or found me more attractive. And so when I stopped trying, when I was like looking for sex or needing that from men, uh, like it was happening, but it was a struggle to get it. And then I realized, oh, when I just like own it myself and express my sexuality on my own, um, more men are attracted to me because there's something powerful about it when you own it and you, you express it, right? Because confidence is sexy and desperation yeah. isn't. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's and besides, I was, when I was looking for it, I was a drunken mess all the time, right? So all, also, think, not cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that was the other thing that I had to learn, too, was that uh, you have to, and I, I think that this is, and, you know, everyone has to learn to have sex sober, uh, like meeting people sober, having sex sober, because if you don't know how to do that, which I think a lot of people don't, um, cause we're so used to, you know, going to the bar or like having drinks around or using alcohol to make ourselves feel better. It becomes out of a already inauthentic place. Cause you're already saying to yourself that, oh, me sober is not good enough. So like, I need to borrow that confident confidence, be able to have sex with someone. And I learned to actually, I was really lucky. I learned when I was younger, like 23, I met this man who uh, wanted to have sex with me and we met at the gym and it was great because at the gym we weren't drinking. And so I recognized it was like, oh, this is actually a better place to have this this moment because I know what I'm doing. I know I'm attracted to him. Uh, it's more exciting. There is a bit more nerves, but that makes it even more of an adrenaline rush to do this. Um, and so I learned it was like, oh, like, expressing your sexuality sober is way better because uh, you're way more in control. You... It definitely sounds healthier because, I mean, if you can't do it sober, then I would question your reasons for doing it Yeah. at that point. If you could do it both sober and drunk, 
then okay, maybe you're, yeah. you're doing all right. But if if you can't do it sober, there's something yeah. there's something to look at in there. There's some yeah. some issues, right? And that's the thing that I've had to learn as someone in recovery of doing all these things sober is that the person that I was when I was drunk all the time and the things that I was doing sexually, uh, even through like creative and art stuff, and I was like that I'm wasn't coming out of an authentic place. It was coming out of that place of needing love. So I mean, even when I was, you know, around 24, 25, I was like, I wanted to do porn. And, um, and I know that it was coming out of a place of like, Oh, if I do porn, everyone's going to think I'm really amazing. And they're going to think that's really hot and I'll get a lots of attention instead of doing it out of a place of, Oh, I want, I enjoy having sex and I enjoy film and I enjoy making, being creative and, Having sex with guys on camera sounds really great and sounds like something for me. Like it wasn't a thought out thing. And so I'm glad I didn't do it then um, because it was coming out of a place of just needing people to love me. Right. And I don't think that's any reason why you should be doing anything because it's not doing it for yourself. So then the question would be, would you reconsider doing that kind of sex work now? Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) So, (laughs) oh, yeah. I uh, I did do something on uh, with uh, my uh, last boyfriend. Uh, we did something on it's himeros.com. It's uh, gay himeros h i m e r o s dot com. Uh, and so we just did an amateur um, thing at the Black Eagle and just fucked in the bathroom. And so it's up there. And the one thing though that I uh, um, <laughs> this is how why I'm, I think that I'm like oh I want to start doing things in porn is because, you know, we filmed this thing and it was, we had like two hours, we were at the Black Eagle in the village. And so we like told the owner like, oh, we need like two hours. And so we got there and it was just the two of us filming it. And I learned a lot about just, we was like, we should have had a third person shooting this thing because we would like, he'd be sucking my dick or I'd be sucking his dick and we'd set up the camera, shoot it, and then go look at the footage. And we're like, oh, my arm was in the way the whole time. So now we're going to redo it again. So it took so much time. <laughs> and then by the end, we're like, we have 20 minutes left and we haven't even fucked yet. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, so it was good. And we did it. But I saw that I was like, oh, this is something that I care about. Like, I want to make good porn. Like, I want to make something that looks good. It's not just about like, I just want to fuck on camera and make porn. It's like, no, I want to make art. And, you know, and that's the other thing about getting into burlesque was that I met a lot of other sex workers and people work in porn and, you know, people care about what they do and, um, people in photography that, you know, aren't doing it, uh, um, you know, I just want to be hot and do photos. It's like, no, they care about what they're doing. They, they, to them it's art. And it goes back to that Madonna sex book. It's like, it's the same thing. That's what I want to create. Um, and if it's hot, turns people on great. If it's beautiful, great. Um, whatever it might be to people, but, you know, I want to make art with sex. That's... Erotic art. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I think, a very healthy and creative angle to take on on sex and sexuality when applying it to burlesque, when applying it to porn, to any of this. Because it, it does tap into that that primal need in combination with your creativity to put yeah. together so it's not just like you know you whipping your dick out as a kid on camera because yeah. that's the impulse that's the urge that's the instinct yeah. and then you're like but i'm also creative mm-hmm. like now how can i whip my dick out on camera in a creative artistic <laughs> way yeah. you know combine the two the two things like the the monster with the with the refined skill yeah uh 
And the takeaway message is if you're going to do porn, get somebody to film it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Because honestly, being a, I, I've not done any porn production, but like anybody, I've tried to film something with a partner in the past. Yeah. And the moment you're focusing on filming something, you're, you're out of the scene. You know, you're not yeah. really engaged with that other person. So it's harder to capture that authentic interaction between you and the person that you're playing with. Well, I mean, even porn now is changing so much. And like even OnlyFans is a thing that's really popular. And I think the reason why it's really popular, you know what OnlyFans is? Yes. Okay. So so I think the reason why it's really popular is because it's way more genuine and realistic because people are actually having sex and they're enjoying it. And so, and it's uh, way more amateur, but it's definitely not... Because I think we as a culture, we're starting to look at porn and we can still enjoy the fantasy of, you know, the coach with the student or whatever it might be. And uh, but then we look at it and we're like, well, that's not what sex really looks like or what it's like. And um, I think we've started to see like that's what's really cool about OnlyFans is that and the cool thing about OnlyFans is that anybody can do it and everyone is interested. And so I think we're also starting to make a shift uh, past this idea of like in porn that, you know, it's the, the girl with the fake tits and the blonde hair and it's, you know, it's anybody and it's any girl of any different size and, uh, any color or whatever. And, uh, for guys too, it's like, you don't have to be this one looking guy to do porn anymore because everyone has different interests and we're starting to open up our minds to realize it was like, oh, this, there's so many different, um, uh, ideas of what is beautiful because everyone has a different uh, attraction to people. Yeah, and, and, and you want, sometimes you want that reality. You want real looking bodies, you know, yeah. because part of the fantasy isn't always about imagining the impossible. I think some of the most seductive fantasies are imagining exactly what is possible, but not directly available. So it's not so much that like, I want to see the, teacher fucking the student scenario it's the i want to see someone that looks like my teacher yeah that looks in a you know like in a very amateur scene where it makes it seem closer to the possibility that i have a fantasy about because if i'm fantasizing about one of my teachers and i'm like i want to fuck this teacher and i want to find maybe a porn that looks very similar to that not this like high production value where it's clearly two very well-established porn stars getting into a scene in a classroom with nobody in it yeah you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah and then like all the props are fake and everything like that chalkboard's never been touched yeah like no you want something that looks a little more real and sometimes and in fact most of the time that means real bodies real people and also knowing that they're real yeah is hot it's a turn on it's like i know this person is a sexual being and as perverted as i am now i know that there's others like me out there and they're all horny yeah and that's the thing it's that sparkle you get to see like this person's horny and i can tell because (laughs) they're they're into it in a way that's not performative like some other porn that i've seen yeah yeah and that's a cool thing too is that i you know you know meeting people that work in porn now and i think uh, I don't know. And there's, I think there's a stigma on it too, but I, uh, I think that's changing because of OnlyFans and even social media and what people, you know, cause anyone can post whatever they want now, um, that I've met people that work in porn and stuff. And it's, uh, they're, they're my people, I guess. Like I was like, oh, these are, these are my types of people that, you know, that are open with their sexuality and sex positive and, um, yeah, and there's the shame around it is I think starting to disappear 
um, especially with the queer community, I think more so. Um, I don't know a lot about like straight porn and or met <laughs> as many people work in straight porn and know if it's any different or the same. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, definitely something that I'm seeing. I, of course, there's always little pockets of backlash from people that are still anti-porn. And I did an episode with Dr. Taylor Kahoot from Western University recently. Uh, well, recently, it was many months ago, but on the podcast, he's a porn researcher. And we went into a lot of studies about porn and really a lot of the myths around it. So the more research, the more sex positivity, the more we can kind of get an understanding that this is not evil and it's not unhealthy. And we can, through that process, actually end up making better porn. That isn't yeah. just this like heteronormative and potentially sometimes, which it has been, abusive situations because mm -hmm. that was the worry, right? So now the more people that are consenting to it and wanting to do it, especially in these amateur scenarios, you're getting something that's real, you're getting something that's consensual, and you're getting something from somebody who wants to be there and do it. And they're not being coerced or they're not being manipulated uh, from an early age to, to get into porn production. Whatever means of coercion seem to dissipate. Yeah. Right? But you said something. You're like, you don't know if this is like straight porn, which actually makes me think something I wanted to ask you earlier. You were talking about sex in the gay community and sleeping around and, and whatnot. I wanted to know actually what it's like navigating the gay community as a man and if that's different from you know sex in the straight community so let's let's work with that binary for now yeah 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 <laughs> to just for for simplification because i mean i imagine there's a whole bunch of listeners who might be curious might wonder what it what it's like to to kind of cruise the gay community as a man because there's probably a lot of assumptions about access to sex, frequency, interests, how picking up works. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I can uh, speak for myself, I guess. I think it's uh, uh, it's a lot maybe more easier to have sex. I mean, most gay couples even that I know have open relationships. That's a very common thing. Um, I mean... Even, you know, I, like, I don't drink, so, like, I, I don't go out that much, but I go-go dance, and I've been doing that lately a lot, so I've been going out a lot, and uh, it's funny, because, you know, I go out, and I notice, you know, everyone's making out with each other, and it's not a big deal, and, uh, you know, couples are making out with other people, and um, so the the need to express sexuality or to just to have sex, I think, is a lot easier yeah. for us. Um I'll tell you something that I observed. This is kind of what prompted the question is, I think I was at Cruz and Tango's during Pride festivities and I'm standing by the bathroom and there's this guy in front of me and then there's this other guy walking down the stairs and they seem to be strangers. They stopped and looked at each other, gave each other a clear like up and down, like a visual inspection. There was a smile and then they both walked into the washroom together <laughs> and began to fool around. And literally, in all that nonverbal communication, <laughs> there was interest, flirtation, and an agreement. And it happened, <laughs> yeah. it happened in like a couple of seconds. But I witnessed this thing and I was like, is it that fucking easy? Because <laughs> it seemed like these, these dudes were strangers. They were strangers. They gave each other the up and down and they're like, Mm-hmm. 
you're good. The other guy's like, yep, you <laughs> yeah. too. Let's do yeah. this. It was that fucking easy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that it is. Um, I mean, I think the difference with it is that, or and maybe this is just what I assume, is that when you have two men, especially, you know, it's gay men, that there's not this idea of, you know, if you're a man and a woman and you were in that same situation and you were to, as the man, look a woman up and down, you're still going to have reservations of like, is this okay for me to, one, be like, you know, checking her out. I need to make sure that she's okay with that. You know, you wouldn't just be like, come on, bathroom stall now. Because like, especially in this, like, yeah. especially in this time, you wouldn't say things like that because that might be offensive. And that might be offensive to a guy too, by the way. Like, yeah. not every gay man is just like, yeah, I'm ready just, to like, fuck. Just like seething, ready yeah. to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think that there's less... Um, Inhibition? Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I was thinking about, like, I've been in some crazy sex situations too in my life. And um, not crazy sex situations, but things of like... I didn't want to fuck that guy and I ended up doing it anyways, or it was kind of weird and awkward and, or like being hit on by someone where I didn't want to be hit on. And, you know, and sometimes it can be uncomfortable and I find that there is harassment, but I find that I think it's just because being a guy that even just my, my ideas of what is okay is almost, we're taught that, you know, it's not harassment or anything. So you don't look at it like that. Right. So you know, you could have that same situation and be like, oh, that made me uncomfortable. But I would just be like, oh, whatever, like that happens. Or I would look at it in my mind and I'd be like, oh, whatever. That was kind of hot that he liked me. And like, I wouldn't see it as like, oh, you know, I wasn't really feeling like getting hit on. He made me uncomfortable and stuff. Because I think we're taught as guys not to, which is not a good thing. Uh, right. It's, it's just part of our, yeah, I guess it's part of our, our way of, of being gendered at some yeah. point where... um our ways of communicating are going to be a little bit different. Yeah. So I wonder, and I will say that like to that, that um, like for myself, cause like I, I enjoy sex, but what I've learned about myself is that all these things that I've learned is that I like to be in control. I like to uh, have a connection with someone. It doesn't have to be this big emotional thing, but I like to at least meet the person before I fuck them. I'm not the I'm not the type of person personally who would meet someone on an app and not even have a conversation and be like, come over and fuck. Um, I need to at least have like a couple sentences in there to be like, okay, this is a decent person. And uh, so that's just for me. And so there's nothing wrong if you are that type of person. But I do find that because I'll set my boundaries of being like, you know, I don't want to. And because I've learned to move past from that person that was like, oh, I'll fuck him because he's like, he's going to hang out with me if I do. And learning to be like, I can say no if I'm not comfortable with this, that I do find that there are some guys that, you know, will keep on harassing. And even if it's just on an app that are like continuously being like, hey, I really think you're hot. And I'm like, I, I'm not into it. And I've said that like two times before and I don't know why you're still like trying. And it's now it's becoming harassment. And on Instagram too, I find See, that same. that's not different in the straight community. Yeah. <laughs> dudes, yeah. Dudes are like that in the straight community. Yeah. Uh, so there's a definite parallel there. I mean, I do wonder if there's differences in the way that consent happens between like the gay, specifically men community versus, you know, the let's say straight community again, if we're looking at this binary. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there are, like I just said, there, I think there's the same issues of, you know, you know, not crossing boundaries and, you know, and for myself, uh, you know, we all have to set boundaries and, 
you know, we all have to know what's okay and what makes us comfortable or not. Um, but I mean, it's like in your example of the two guys just looking each other up and down that in that environment, um, but you know, like I, that could happen at the grocery store, I think. And, but I, I don't know if it's just a thing like, this is my, uh, this is my, um, uh, theory of why gay men or gay people, uh, have a lot easier time with expressing their sexuality or having those situations happen is because, First of all, to be open with our sexuality, we have to go through this journey, whereas like, you know, straight people or whatever, uh, don't have to ever go through this process of being like, what am I into? Like, I have to come out to everyone and tell them that I'm straight. And I have to, you know, it's kind of like, it's just always been what it is. And society tells you that this is what sex is. And so you kind of, I think, go with that. But as a gay person, I'm already pushing against what's ex what society expects by just being gay and liking men. So as soon as you get over that hump, you're like, oh, well. You're liberated. You're like, now I can yeah. talk. And so like, yeah. you kind of like, oh, well, everything else is kind of not so difficult that if I want to, you know, fuck who I want, or you know look a guy up and down or I don't know and I think there's also and for myself like when I was before I came out like it's a lot of energy to hold in whether it's like just the shame but just the sexual energy of not even being able to express it or even being in fear of you know watching porn like because you don't want to even find out you're gay it's one thing to be a 15 year old kid and get caught watching straight porn like whatever but like if you're a closeted gay kid like you're not going to be easily looking up gay porn and watching it because you're so scared that like your parents are going to see or something and so they're going to find out that you're out so like you just keep all that in um so i think that when you finally do come out it's like this oh my god it's it's this release and you're just like oh my god i just want to have sex all the time or i want to be i want to experience my sexuality at least that was for me yeah, because um, it sounds like a like a definitive sort of liberating moment where you get to finally do the thing that you've been wanting to do for a long time that maybe you weren't allowed or couldn't let yourself or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I spoke to to somebody recently uh, on an episode. It's called Lance on bi yeah. slash pansexual masculinity. And he talks about the coming out event, how that's not something that really happens for bi or pansexual men specifically because there isn't such an event it's not like you're coming out it's that you're somewhere in the in-betweens you're in this like weird gray zone and there's an absence of that feeling of liberation because you don't get the event and yeah. he recognizes both the struggle in it because it is to, to come out it still is like a super scary thing and you're still living in a society that as much as we've come to be accepting is there's still a lot of pushback and uh adversity but they're on the other side of that. Especially, sorry, can I, because I'm going to forget it. The one thing about that us with being bisexual and coming out is that I think that our problem with our society is that we don't believe bisexual people. Right. There's still a lot of like, oh, you're just gay, not out that, yet. That's, or, that's part right? of it, right? That's part of being in that gray area is that you don't really have something to come out as because yeah. your identity is not really recognized as possible. Yeah. It's seen as, as dubious, mm -hmm. right? So, and it's not as exciting. To yeah. come out as bisexual, you're yeah. just like, oh, okay, yeah. you're, you're bisexual, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think you know, recognizing both the adversity of coming out uh, when you're when you're part of the gay community, but also the liberation that comes with it, and it's something that he kind of expressed a little bit of remorse about. He's like, you know, I I want a little bit of that. Like, I want to have a coming out moment. I want yeah. to feel like I've I've done something liberating for myself, and I I don't get that. Mm. You know. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it is this huge thing for gay people. And uh, and then I think, too, even, you know, is the one thing I noticed with, you know, gay men is that we still do this thing where we uh, we only hang out with the people like us. So, like, you look at a group of gay men and it's like, there's not a bunch of, like, bisexual people and pansexual people and right. queer or trans people. And I, I think it's, like, changing. But, like, that's what I love about burlesque is why the diversity of it, right? Because I feel like our lives are enriched so much and we learn so much from each other when we spend time with people who are different. Because, um, like, even if I think about it, I'm like, you know, I met bisexual people, but in my group circle of gay friends, I'm like, I can't name one right now that... I know, or I know like a couple, but you know, in my close group of friends that are gay. Okay, so we've talked about quite a bit. I wonder, another thing that I kind of wanted to ask you about is whether or not your life as a yoga teacher at all intersects with this. Is it sort of like Clark Kent Superman situation or do is there any bleed over? Is there anything from yoga that you use in your burlesque? Is there anything from burlesque that you've been able to incorporate into yoga? How much is there overlap? Uh, yeah, so that's kind of where I am right now with these things is I'm because it does feel I realize, you know, the best way to describe it right now is that I'm very yin yang, because as a yoga teacher, I go into these classes, and I'm teaching people about meditation and peace and love and calm and all this stuff. And but then I do all this sex work. And you know, I do burlesque, and I'm stripping and I'm starting to get into escorting. And so like if people when people find out that I do all this other stuff, that's like kind of a shock to them, right? Because they don't they don't expect me to because I'm it feels like I'm a completely different person. And so that's what I've been trying to figure out is like, how do I fit the two together? Um, but I think the thing that I'm learning is that uh, it's all like because w- the way I look at yoga, yoga and meditation, it's all about energy. It's all about calming the energy of your body. That's what meditation is. Breath is energy. It's about using the energy around you to manifest things in your life or to create calm or whatever it might be. And your sexual energy is energy as well. And so I've learned through this as, you know, I'm using the energy of my sexuality to better my life and find more acceptance with it. And, uh, so I, I, through the burlesque and the go-go dancing and all that, that's for me. And I realized that um, that is something that fills me up, that I do for myself, um, that makes me happy, gives me joy. Um, but the escorting has been interesting because that has been something that's not been about me. And uh, it's been about the clients. And a lot of it is, and so like on my ad, it says that I'm a yoga teacher, right? So I get a lot of guys that are like, oh, we should do some yoga before. And so I'm like, okay. <laughs> and uh, so well, I'll go over and I've had this a couple of times. We've been doing it for a month. So I've only had a handful of people, but um, you know, the guys that are like, oh, we should do yoga before. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll do the exact same thing, which basically I'm like, just lay down on the mat and I'll just adjust you and do what I would do to a person in a class, which is basically, you know, opening up to their chest, but touching someone and being intimate with someone and showing them that it's okay. And I think that the thing that I'm learning also about most of the clients is that that's really what they're wanting is connection and intimacy and the sex too, or whatever it might be. But like, I've had these moments of just being like, the the real moments with the client is actually when they're just talking to me and I realize I'm like oh they're just this is the meaningful part about it is that they just want this connection and like as a yoga teacher in my classes 
That's what I want with my students is to show them to be myself, to be authentic, to teach them kindness and compassion, um, and, you know, to learn more about themselves and help them. And so I realized I'm like, oh, through escorting, I'm actually helping people. And it's not actually the because of the sex. It's because of just me and the energy that I'm bringing to this person. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I've you're not the first sex worker that I've heard explain the profession as providing a service that goes beyond just the uh, you know a physical interaction of brute sex yeah and there's so much more kind of demand for this therapeutic interactive intimate experience in sex work and it's it's becoming more of that it's becoming so dynamic mm-hmm. the amount of sex workers that i've interviewed that have talked about their experiences and and their favorite experiences tend to be these ones because they're like i get to have an actual connection with somebody it doesn't feel as transactional when you're able to enjoy it on both ends and you you have something of a genuine interaction you're like well i'm also doing this for my pleasure and i'm doing it for your pleasure and there's a communication that happens there and it you know it's I was picturing that like the, the yoga moment. I'm like, that's a beautiful way to start. You know, you have somebody yeah. lie down, you go through the through the motions, you start adjusting them, and I could see that turning sexual very easily. <laughs> yeah. Right? Especially when you're relaxed like that. It's such a good premise to just feel what it's like being touched. Yeah. It's a great experience. And I think too, the other thing that it's teaching me is that um as a gay man, I have uh I do have an ego and judgments about the way that I look. And so I notice that uh, I do judge myself and expect myself to, you know, have the perfect body or look great and stuff because that gives me validation and intention. And uh, so I realized I was like, well, if I have those judgments towards myself, I'm going to have those judgments towards other people because I know that the way that you feel about yourself is like a reflection or the way you feel about other people is a reflection of the way you feel about yourself. And so through this escorting process, because you're not meeting people that you would normally sleep with, that you're realizing all that stuff kind of starts to slip away because you're like, this isn't like, this is actually a really nice moment and I'm actually really enjoying this with this person and I'm not looking at them for those reasons of which I've always looked at sex with another man is I'm going to have sex with the men that I'm attracted to. I want to have sex with hot guys or, you know, now I'm having sex with men that I wouldn't have sex with and I'm having to learn to be like, oh, but... You get an appreciation for, yeah. their, for their qualities in the absence of yeah. the things that you normally look for. Yeah. Absolutely. I hear you on that. And yeah, sex work is still, uh, you know, very much stigmatized. I read something funny today. It was a meme. Uh, it was a response to, to the, the saying like, oh, sex uh, work is dehumanizing or something. It's like, yeah, Karen, because when you wake up at <laughs> 6.30 every morning and drive your ass to work to sit at your cubicle for nine hours a day and then sneak off into the bathroom and tuck your legs up so you can get an extra 20 seconds of fucking peace and rest away from your coworkers, <laughs> yeah. you're very humanized. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So in, in this sense, like it sounds better than a nine to five if you're yeah. having these... Um, engaging experiences yeah and i mean it's it's obviously not for everybody but yeah and i mean i think that's the one thing so my journey with being authentic with my sexuality and i think i am a little bit you know uh, a little bit edgier than most people when it comes to sex um but i also think that the thing that i want to teach other people is that it really was a journey uh, being authentic and learning to love myself and figure out what i enjoyed so i wouldn't say to everybody like 
go start stripping and like, you know, doing escort and porn, <laughs> do all that to like find yourself because it's different for every single person. And I think that if you're the type of person that is monogamous and uh, wants to be in a committed relationship and have sex with one person and that's who you are, great. Then you're sex positive. But don't judge other people for what they want to do, right? And so as long as I think if we can all figure out what makes us happy sexually? Because I think that's the problem with all these, uh, with all the stigma and the shame against, you know, people who are sex workers or doing whatever or expressing their sexuality is because there's a large amount of the people out there that are uncomfortable with expressing their own sexuality because we're not taught how to properly do it or we're taught that we should be ashamed of it. So there's all these people walking around holding on to the shame of themselves. So they're shaming other people for it. Because when you start to own your sexuality and love yourself for it, you don't judge other people. And I've learned that too, that I was like, the only reason why I ever was judging other people was because I was jealous that I couldn't do it myself. Right, like you said earlier, with the body, the way you judge yourself is how you're going to judge other people. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, this podcast is always, I've always tried to make this podcast descriptive, not prescriptive. So in the Mm -hmm. sense that, you know, my guests come here, they share their experiences, and they're not meant as advice. It's just meant to kind of be a platform for sex positivity to make it visible from diverse voices for people who have experiences in the sex positive communities. So yeah, you're right. It's not a matter of prescribing things for other people. It's a matter of describing our experiences from our lived experiences and whoever this ends up helping, you know, yeah, it'll end up helping by, by way of example, like here's somebody who's doing this and that makes, and I've had so many people, you know, message me that made me feel really validated. And yeah. that's, that's perfect. That's all that, yeah. that's all that I think sex positivity needs to do is, is validate and build solidarity and get rid of that guilt and shame and, and stigma. So before I let you go, yeah. the last thing that I do on this okay. show is I ask for a sexy, wild, outrageous story, whatever you have, give it your best story. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, one the one thing that I always was really proud of was how I lost my virginity. Yes. <laughs> so uh, let's hear that. Because which I thought was a total reflection of who I am as a person. But I was 16 and I was not out yet. And I was at a party and it was two gay guys that were that owned the house that we were in. So I was really drunk and the the boyfriend comes up to me when I was leaving. And again, I'm not out. I've never said, I've never even said the words I'm gay. And he comes up to me and he kisses me. And I was like, oh, what are you doing? And he kisses me again. And I was like, oh, okay. And then he was like, you should spend the night. And I was like, oh my God, I, I can't spend the night. And then he's like, oh, and then, oh, I think he kissed me again. And then, so I yelled to my friend. I was like, Cheyenne, I think I'm going to spend the night. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so, and then I was like, we're, I was so nervous and I was like, we're just going to talk, right? We're just going to talk. And so I had actually had a really lovely night with these two guys and we ended up talking for the beginning part. And so we were <laughs> just sitting downstairs and talking and because I had never expressed any of these feelings, like again, as I said about holding all this stuff in and I never said anything about being attracted to men. I never said the words even to myself. And, um, so then, and then the one guy's like, uh, oh, why don't we just go lay down in bed? We'll just go lay down and talk. It's a bit more comfy. And so I was like, okay. And so we went to lay down in bed and then continued to talk and, and then it ended up turning into a threesome. 
And then the one thing, though, that so this is one thing about being gay and being uh, young and coming out and having sex for the first time being gay, especially I'm from rural Saskatchewan. And so like having no idea of what gay sex was like or what how to do it. Do you mean they don't teach that to you in school? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not in Wild. my school. Not in the country in Saskatchewan. And then uh, so I the one guy was rimming me and I was like, oh, this feels amazing. I was like. Oh, God, I guess it would feel great if he fucked me. And so I was like, oh, I want you to fuck me. And even he was like, are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) Have you done this before? I was like, yeah. And then so like, and again, having no idea, just was like, oh, the rim job felt really good. So a dick in my ass must feel amazing. And so, uh, yeah, so he fucked me. And I had never felt so much pain (laughs) in my life before. I was like, I could not handle it. And I was like, I can't do this. I that, Because again, I had no idea like, what I was supposed to do, how to do it or anything. And yeah. um, <laughs> but anyways, we had... It hey, takes time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, we had this threesome. And uh, yeah, it was and it was amazing because in the morning I woke up. And, and it wasn't even until the morning I said uh, the words. I was like, I'm gay. And I like said it for the first time. And um but it was and to me and, and the reason why I came out after that was because it was such a crazy night that like I never expected it to happen I was like I have to tell people yeah it's like, like <laughs> I lost my virginity and a threesome by yeah. the way <laughs> yeah in rural Saskatchewan yeah wow. so and that was kind of how I came out which was um whatever it's <laughs> fun it's well it's it's definitely fun yeah <laughs> threesome coming out in a threesome and losing your virginity that's yeah. a trifecta. You, yeah. That must be some kind of achievement. Well, before we sign off, this is your chance to plug away. Where can people find you if you want to be found? All the social media, all the things. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram at Yogi Boy Vance. So Y-O-G-I-B-O-Y-V-A-N-C-E. Um, I teach at Good Space, which is a studio in Parkdale. You can also find them on Instagram at Good Space. Um, I do burlesque and go-go dance. I go-go dance at the Black Eagle sometimes. Uh, But if you look on my Instagram, I always post when I'm go-go dancing. I do burlesque too, but I obviously will always post when I'm doing that as well. Um, If you're interested in an escort, uh, find me on Instagram. (laughs) All right. Vance, thank you so much. Thanks. You're listening to Intellectual Erection, a place where we... Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) A place where we talk about the naughty to stimulate your thinking.